Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our weekly message. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. To connect with our church family and to watch our live streams, please visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc. If I'm Luke chapter 2, and uh, maybe John 5, we'll, we'll see where we can. We'll, I just mainly want to just share something with you, and we'll. I don't intend on preaching the whole message, okay? I'm writing in two different journals, so I've got to get it all where I've been at. I had a gentleman to call me on Tuesday morning. Who had just listened to a message that we preached last Sunday on restoring the passion. And he couldn't do nothing but just cry and just shake on the phone. He said, God's all over me. Friend, I'm telling you, there's something happening in the airways. We played the guy on the tractor. He listened to that and he told me, he said, I almost ripped my steering wheel out of my truck. I said, well, that would be awesome, man. I just want to read something that I, I wrote and I'm, Father, let's, let's read. I think that Zach hit it right too. Let's, let's just say this. Father, give me the ears to hear what you're saying. Give me ears to hear what you're saying. You know, probably a year and a half ago, I don't know why I did this, but maybe a year. I've been probably a year now detoxing from it. But I got so heavily involved in the news. You ever do that? Maybe nobody in this room. But I mean, I was like, and Catherine was like, cut that off. And I got really involved in the political stuff and races and Supreme Court. All of that's good. I think we should pray over our nation. But how many knows that Isaiah in the sixth chapter, he cries out. And he says, Lord, I dwell amongst the people with unclean lips and I myself am a people of unclean lips and so how many knows that tells me right there the environment affects, affects us deeply and after sitting there just downloading that from a news cycle see you and I get today on a 24 hour rerun what four generations ago got in an entire month sometimes in an entire year you with me? When I was a little boy, we caught the Braves game occasionally on TBS. You remember that? Didn't air them all. But now we got a whole network that doesn't play nothing but baseball in your house. I said it because that's pretty much what I watch. And um, so I'm just saying that if, if we're totally sitting there taking that in, taking that in, my sister calls and she said, I want you to read this story of an 18-year-old that almost lost his life to COVID. I said, I'm not going to read this story. 
I said, because I can't feed out of that trough. But what the media won't show you is the 100,000 18-year-olds that walked away from it. Where four, four out of five have mild symptoms, yet the media wants to portray to us we're all going to die by December. I'm just telling you, friend, I'm not knocking, I'm not being political in here, but I'm saying you and I got to get our trusted source from the Word of God and by hearing His voice. We've got to hear His voice in this region. If not, you're going to move your family into fear. You're going to leave faith. You're going to leave hope. You've got to stay at the trough. I can't personally feed from what God is not doing. I will feed for what He is doing. Regardless of the numbers that I see in this house this morning, and it's not about numbers or how many I'm reaching on social media, all I can tell you is that a young 20-something-year-old kid got up this morning, drove to this house at 5.30 because he needed to find some answers out of 1 John chapter 2. That's where I'm going to stay at. That's where I'm going to feed from. So what? I didn't realize how much it was infecting me. Because those that are in my inner circle, I, I've been honest in this pulpit. I try to be as honest as I can. Sometimes I'm a little bit too honest. But I'm not going to be the guy that pretends to have it all together that we're not struggling. But I've, I've, I've had my battles with fear like unbelievable. But let me just read this, okay? This is good. If, if, we can, if we can dare to believe something, this grantor this morning. The gospel, I've said this, but I've got to read. I'm in the greatest theological shift of my life of what I've always believed. And so I'm trying to take you on the journey little by little because I don't want to scare you with some of the stuff. You know what I'm saying? But I 100%, let me say this, believe in revival. I just don't believe in it the way I did 10 years ago. I'm not going to fast and pray and try to twist the arm of God to come to Sparks, Georgia because he can never be worked up by man's sweat. If he could be worked up by our sweat and our activity, why did he command the priest in the old covenant that was going to walk behind the veil and spend time with him? Why did he wear just a linen garment? Because he despised any sweat in his presence. Come on. The gospel is not about you inviting Jesus into your life. See, I was told when I came into the church that he came to forgive me of my sins and I got to invite him into my life. Stay with me. Don't, don't write me off as a heretic yet. And you can't take 30 minutes or 20 minutes of my life and judge me on that to start with. Take an entire year of what I got to say before you judge me. I don't know why I'm setting all that out. You know, when your stuff's online, you get some hate mail sometimes. The gospel's not about you inviting Jesus into your life. It's about Jesus already including you in His. Through His suffering, He's forged a living union between His Between his, I can't even read my own writing, communion with his Father and your darkness and our darkness. Jesus dwells in our darkness. I've got a whole new light on Psalms 139 this morning. Because see, religion, what it does to us is it makes us run from our failures. We run and hide. 
We hide in marriage. We hide in work. We hide in, in whatever thing that we, we hide at the golf course. We hide on a fishing boat. We hide in the deer stand. We hiding because we cannot really believe that the God we serve would get involved in the broken places of my own heart. Because it's too dark and it's too, it's too jacked up for him to ever be involved in that. But the fact is, Jesus came to dwell in our darkness. The fact is, your darkness is his heaven. And his light is coming to beam in that darkness. And he wants to find every dark crevice of your life to bring the illuminance of his father's love into that area of our life. My God, that's good. Jesus dwells in my darkness. He's sharing himself with me. I'm going to try to give you some scripture here with this. He's passionate about us coming to know the Father. That's his number one passion. I want you to know him, what he's like. He's not what you've been told. He's not an angry judge that is distant from you. He's a loving, compassionate father that longs to have an intimate relationship with you. See, when you believe this, you don't have to run and hide in the corners no more. I don't have to act like it's not going on. When I'm so afraid and anxiety's got my heart rate pulsing and all of this stuff is happening in my life, I can look at him and say, Father, you see what's going on right now and I don't understand this. But there's got to be a hole somewhere in my belief system because see, what happens is, is, is the enemy loves to sow lies. That's all he's got is lies. He ain't got no truth. And the lies like malware that gets in the system and starts running behind the scenes. And starts running in your subconscious. That lie that you believe fathers abandon you. Because this happened in my life is because I'm paying for some sin in the past. How can you pay for something that's already been paid for? If I see you at lunch and I decide to pay for your meal, you go up there and try to pay for it. She says you can't pay for it because it's already been paid for. Your sin has already been paid for. The sin that you have committed and that you ever will commit has already been paid for. I can't even get We should have ran on that. Look at this. He forged his way. Twelves in our darkness. He shared himself with me. He's passionate about me coming to know his father and with him and living life in the freedom of the spirit of adoption. We've already covered that. I preached on a whole message on that. The goal was not forgiveness. The goal was adoption before the foundations of the earth. Ephesians 1 declares that. Listen to this. He's known the father from all eternity. Remember that verse of scripture that we went over in John where it says no one knows the father except for the son? Think about that. Abraham was called the friend of God. Moses, Moses brought the Ten Commandments down, went up into the, had the tent of meeting with him. David, he said, was a man after my own heart, yet Jesus says in the Gospel of John, no one knows the Father except for the Son. He says, I have intimate knowledge of him from all eternity. And not only does he keep that knowledge to himself, he came to dwell with us to impart that knowledge of the Father to you and I. He's not hunkered down with that knowledge. He's drawing near to you to impart that knowledge of the Father into your heart. And and what he's wanting is, my God, I feel him in this room. He's wanting the brokenness and the wounded areas of your life to impart that illuminance right into your heart. 
decade of my life trying to fast it, trying to pray for it through Christian disciplines and I'm telling you it's not the answer, the answer's in surrender, the answer's in yielding to him and just saying God I cannot do it anymore and just simply surrender and say I receive what you have for me that's where victory comes from religion comes through works you gotta do, you gotta do, you gotta do, you gotta do but in the kingdom, it's I've done, I've done, I've finished, it's finished, I've done it for you. It's simply receiving. Right living is equal to right thinking. When we shift the way we think about God, we will shift the way we live. Oh God. Y'all got me preaching. I, I, hold on. God help me, Jesus. He's known the Father. He's known the Father from eternity. He's always been with Him. There was never a moment that He was not with Him in this paracoresia called the dance of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're dancing together in perfect union. And it was so lovely that they could not, Father could not stand the fact that we were not included in that dance that's the whole creation and then Adam blows it in the garden and he takes his stroke with one disobedience and he mars the face of the father and now we're looking through a lens so dark that we don't really know who he is so father said I can't I can't have that so Jesus you got to go John 1 in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. In verse 14, it became flesh and dwelt among us. That word flesh literally means the brokenness of Adam. He enters into that. Listen to this. This is so life-giving. Not only does he intimately know the Father, he intimately knows you in your brokenness, in your rejection, in your wounds, in your addiction. In your sin, He knows you. And He's trying to bridge the chasm between the darkness and the light. Listen. He's known the Father from all eternity, and He also knows the Father from inside our tragic nightmare. When He became flesh, He put me on. He started looking at the Father through my eyes. Fear came upon him. Come on, y'all. Rejection came upon him. But yet through all of that, he forged his way pressing into his father's heart to receive his love. Not caving into what Adam caved into. This is why Luke 2.52 says that Jesus grew. That word grew is literally like a term that we use for blacksmiths, how they forge steel. Little by little, he's forging his way to his father's heart. In our own brokenness. You know, I don't want to say too much. But this kid sat there with me this morning and says, I don't want to be the Antichrist. And I said, there's humanly no way possible that you can be the Antichrist. 
Because, see, religion's told us if you don't measure up, God's coming with a vengeance. And he's coming to get you. All right, let's move on. The gospel is the news that Jesus became what we are within our fear-twisted world of whispers of darkness and rejection. He forged his way forward into the vision of the Father's heart. He knows the Father. Our hell, my hell, has become his heaven. And my darkness has become his light. Matthew eleven twenty seven. no one knows the Father. And he wants to unveil his Father's heart in every situation in my life. Now look at this. When I just gave you those lens to see, I want you to hear David's cry in Psalms 139. This gave me so much life. I just got to read this whole, I'm going to read the 12 verses to you. You okay? We're fixing to be done. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every moment of my heart and soul. And you understand my every thought before it even enters into my mind. You are so intimately aware with me of me. You remember in the movie The Shack when he sits there with Jesus and he says, out of all of them, I feel so close to you. He said, it's because I'm human. It's because I see through your eyes. I identify with you. I know what it's like. Listen, Jesus knows what it's like to go to his father's funeral and weep over the casket. He knows what it's like to be rejected. You're so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book. And you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. Oh my God, that's so good. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings wonderful wonder and strength. Where could I go from your spirit? Look at this. Where could I go? See, the cry of many is this. Just like this. I I was once with the Lord really, really strong, and now I'm not. So all of this is happening in my life. And the reality is the Lord has never left them. Neither has he ever left you. Come on, church. Look at this. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? If I go up to heaven, you are there. Let me just read it like this. If I'm doing good in my prayer life, in my Bible study, in my kindness, in the fruits of the spirit, you are there. All right. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there. If I've fallen... If I'm living in fear, if I'm living in rejection, I'm living in woundness, I'm living in unforgiveness, I'm living in the worst grotesque sin that you could ever imagine, but yet you are there. But yet you are there. My God, that's good news. 
Because see, I was told I was left there on my own and I had to work my way back up into the church. But let me tell you something, he's there. It was Jim Baker when he fell, when they arrested him and threw him into the back of the car, handcuffed, headed into the prison. He said he looked into heaven and said, God, I want to die. And he said he heard the voice of the Lord speak back and say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you even unto the end. David said, it don't matter where I go, you are there. What I'm trying to tell you in the place of hiding in your life, he's there. The thing that you got that you don't want nobody else to know about, he's there. And all he wants to do is cut the light on to bring the illuminescence of his father's love to that situation and to bring healing. You there? All right. Let's finish up right here. If I fly my wings into the shining dawn, you're there. And if I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It is impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. Look at this. For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. God, I want to bring, I want you to bring light into my night. Is that anybody else's prayer in this room? There's no such thing as darkness with you. See, the darkness only, only exists with religion. And in your eyes, there's no darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. You know what he said in your worst situation. The worst way you could mess it up, jack it up, the worst thing you could do is this bright light day to me. You can go, oh boy, people just get tensed up, man, when you start preaching like this, Junior. It can't really be that way. No, it can't be that good, Pastor. That's, I, don't, I, just, I just don't know. Well, you put that set of lens on and you go look at the Gospels and you relook at that. I dare you to study out John chapter 8, the story of the adulterous woman. If you go back to the earliest manuscript, St. Augustine said that, St. Augustine said this, that by the time that he got his hands on that uh, version of Scripture, they had already tried to rip that out of the Bible because they could not believe that the God we serve would have mercy upon an adulteress like that. But what he was forging his way is into that situation. Come on, y'all. He's forging his way into that situation that only knows law. Go back to John 5, I'm done, but the scripture says he shows up there. He shows up to the house of mercy, and it says there was a pool near the sheep gate. There's so much prophetic stuff in that chapter. The sheep gate is where they brought the entrance of the animal sacrifice into the temple. They entered into the sheep gate. What he's saying when the Lamb of God is about to create a pool, come on somebody, in a house of kindness and a house of mercy where there's a pool, y'all. Come on now. He goes there. The scripture says that there's five porticos with a great number of sick people laying under these five porches. These five porches are the five books of the Torah the law, the law can only sit there and leave the people sick in their own condition come on somebody, they're laying under the law and there's nothing that can be done about it, the man he goes up to is for 38 years, if you read your Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 2 verse 14 it says for 38 years they wandered into the desert, it is no coincidence that that man is laying there for 38 years, what Jesus is saying is I'm about to pull you out from under that Torah come on somebody and I'm about to end this thing right here with the kingdom and mercy and goodness and you don't have to get in that pool but when you get in the pool of my side everything in your life
life will begin to change and you're going to take your bed and you're going to walk and live in freedom. Come on, church. The man says this, I have no one to help me. For at a certain time, an angel comes and stirs the water. See, to me, this is the revival church. We're waiting on something to happen. Some evangelist is going to come down here to Sparks, and then we're going to be known. That is mostly the crowd. Man, I better quit right here, but I'm, it's my, it's my, I got the mic, and I, I, I will stand for everything that I say. Most of the cry for revival, let me interpret that. Please, someone notice my ministry. Please let something happen so that we can get on TV and be noticed by somebody. If you had a true cry for revival, listen, the true cry of revival is when the Spirit and the bride say come. That's the marriage that he's talking about. And God is not coming back. Listen, your view of the rapture, let me just go on ahead and cut it on out here. The church believes that God's coming back because of all the sin on the earth. Listen, God will never judge the church because of the whore. He judges the church because of the bride. Come on, somebody. He's not coming back for the whore. He's coming back for the bride. My bride that has made herself ready, that has fallen in love with him. It is when the spirit and the bride say, come. We got entire doctrines running around here in the south about the rapture of the church. The word rapture is not even in the Bible. The word snatching away is found in the book of Thessalonians. God's trying to get in the church and the church is trying to leave the earth. Come on. Oh, I just, we got some hate mail right there, Matt. He was with me one time we was preaching and I got on the rapture of the church and they got so mad. I told Matt, I said, you better go to church, man, and grab some of them pea shooters I got and hold the door right? we can get me out of here but that was over a decade ago so now the church has grown somewhat he's coming back for a bride that's in love with him Come on, man. Come on. it's all about love it's where we cannot stand this, the veil of separation anymore it's, it's, it's passion it's passion The revival church says, well, when the waters are stirred, things are going to change. I'm going to end with this. Jesus looks at that man for 38 years laying there in his place. And the King James render says, Wilt thou be made whole? Do you want to be made well? That is a poor translation. If you read that in the original Greeks, which I do read Greek and Hebrew, no, I do not. But I do have Google. I say this, you pray about it. If you don't hear nothing, ask Siri Google. You're going to hear something. Steve, that verse is not future tense. It's past tense. So what Jesus asked him was, not do you want something to happen, but do you believe something has already taken place? See, that changes everything. I want to ask you, do you believe that something's already happened? If you believe something's already happened, you're going to live your life in a different That's way. Right. Let me tell you what I know's happened. 
when I was 18 years old, I was so messed up, farther jacked up than what I am now. But on February the 2nd of 1998, with no church service going on, I hear a voice call out to me in the middle of a road, and I meet the man they call the Christ for three hours in my bedroom. And what I know has happened as he has already came. I don't have to look for healing. He's already healed me. Come on, y'all. We're even... If we could just even go back to the 80s and embrace what Dr. Hagen tried to teach us. He said, he would... People come up and say, Dr. Hagen, have you seen God heal this? What they're trying to do is just get some faith because he's seen it. He says this. He said, I believe God's going to heal you not because of what I've seen, but because of what he's already said. 38 years. Do you believe something's already taken place? Yea, Lord, what well, take up thy bed and walk. No, church, you got to sit. No. He said, Do you believe something's already taken place? Yea, Lord, nothing else happened. He picked up his bed and walked. Why? Because belief entered in him that something had already taken place. I'm asking you, has something already taken place? See, when I gave that cloth to Allie J last week, and I haven't heard how things are, but I believe something had already taken place. And when I handed that cloth, I didn't say, go home and ask God, will you do something? Could you, baby? I said, you go home and you lay that cloth on him and say, cancer, leave in the name of Jesus. Why? Because something's already happened. Something's already happened, church. It happened over 2,000 years ago. Quit playing, praying for revival. Arise and shine. Thy light has come. When did the light come? It came when Jesus came. Now he says, arise for you, the light of the world. Now that same illuminance, that same effervescence that was in him, he's calling it out in you to walk every day of your life. Whether you're a school teacher, whether you're a nurse, whether you drive in a bus, whether you build in a house, whether you build in boats, whether you own a Christian bookstore, whether you a house mom going to Walmart to get your groceries, he's calling for the light in you to come out. You don't have to walk in there praying in tongues, quoting Hebrew and Greek. All you got to do is have met him and believe something has already taken place. And I'm telling you, you're going to watch some things in your life begin to shift and change. I said something's already taken place. So when we pray for healing up here, we're not pulling some lucky knob hoping that the sevens line up. No, I said we believe something's already taking place. Bill Johnson said this, I'm done. I did go longer than 10 minutes because I'm about to take up the offering and I want you to get that dollar fifty's worth. You know I'm cutting up. You know I'm cutting up. Steve, you got to quit folding that dollar, though, so small. It's taking the ushers like 30 minutes to get that dollar folded out. You know I'm playing with you. <laughs> I'm playing. But he said, he remembers the service. 
someone came in the doors with stage four cancer and the church got ecstatic in praise. He knew then that transformation of the mind was taking hold in that culture. Because they got ecstatic in praise because they believed something had already happened. They didn't believe, they didn't have thoughts that this man's going to leave here and we hope something's going to happen. They believed when he come into that environment, something had already taken place. Can I want to tell you today, friend, whether you believe it or not, take this right here. Something has already changed in your life today because you met with the people of God and we exalted His name together and something has been deposited in you in this room. Regardless of where you felt it or not, I'm telling you by faith it's been deposited into your life. As Pastor Junior teaches this man, he is a word man and I love him dearly. Then the old covenant, they came into the temple one way but they left another way as a prophetic sign as you'll never come into my house and stay the same. Your life is forever changed and marked because something's already happened. Now all you got to do is believe that the Father wants to illuminate the dark areas of your life. He's not looking to shame you. He's not looking to put anything on you. He's just looking to get involved with you. And religion has always tried to tear John chapter 8 out of that Bible because how in the world could he... But he tried, to com- he tried to communicate his heart towards us through the book of Hosea. Have you ever read the book of Hosea? God instructs his man, the man of God, the prophet, to go down there and marry a prostitute. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, i got three boys. If they come home and say, Daddy, God said that we're to go down there. I'm going to go down here to Vegas and get a prostitute, and that's who I'm going to marry. I'm going to say, Son, you better go pray. Come on, y'all. <laughs> man, I just got... I was thinking about an old Confederate Railroad song. Remember that? Man, I got to quit. I ain't anointed no more. Remember his kid brought home a girl, and he says, son, that ain't no kid. That's a cocktail waitress in a Dolly Parton wig. That's crazy. That's just country stuff. Yeah. But God instructed, God instructed Jose, Hosea to go marry Gomer, a prostitute. She left him and went out cutting up again. God said, go get her back. She'd bring her back. She'd leave again. God said, go get her back. What is he communicating? It ain't nothing on you. This is on me. The contract's on me. And I chose you before the foundations of the earth to adopt you in. And this is on me. It ain't got nothing on you. This is on me. And what I'm telling you in an old inferior covenant that I will never, ever, 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 for all eternity, ever, 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 stop pursuing you. You are the apple of my eye, not because of what you've done, but because of what I set my gaze upon you. And when I set my gaze upon you, I refuse to remove it at any moment. So, Father, I bless your people. you got to stand up right here. And you've got to lift your hands up like something has already taken place in this room. I feel the Father in this room. Oh, my gosh, I feel your love, Jesus.
Some of you in this room, you're letting what happened two years ago, three years ago, hold you back from now. I'm telling you, let it go in the name of Jesus. Let it go. He doesn't hold nothing against you. You quit letting that hurdle get in your lane. Run. That's what I'm telling you. I said I'm giving you permission right now to run, to run after him. Do what you're called to do. Who cares what you've done? We've all messed up in this room. I'm telling you, the Father's pursuing you. He's running after you. He's chasing after you. In Luke 15, he said, go get my robe. Get the best thing we got and put it on him. He's home. Raise your hands. Say, Father, I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. Oh, I receive it. Illuminate the darkness. Illuminate the darkness. Yo, I feel fully alive in this room. I said, I feel fully alive in this room. This is the presence of the Father in this room. God, we love you, Jesus. God, we love you with our whole heart, Lord. Father, baptize us in your love. friend don't you let no mistake hold you back please hear me this morning don't you let no mistake hold you back you remember John 8 when he looked at her he said woman where are your accusers he says neither do I condemn you go and sin no more he was forging his way into a legalistic view of his father that's not who he is. Father, I bless your people this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, I bless them. I bless them. I bless them. Father, may we fall deeper in love with you. May we realize the passion you have for us. Awaken us, Lord, to the passion that you have for us. Fill our hearts. Fill our hearts. Jesus. We're going to leave right here, but I just, for 30 seconds, come on, just sing over us. Come on, sing over us for 30 seconds. the most beautiful among thousands and thousands.
get the ushers to come. We're going to receive the tithes and the offerings. And How many feel like the Lord's just really just empowered you to have a good week? Am I the only one? We got five people. That's more than what we started with. So I'm encouraged. You're going to have a great week. You hear me? I said you're going to have a great week in the name of the Lord God. The Lord's with you. All right. Hey, y'all don't be getting the cash out, okay? Don't be getting the cash out. It's the Lord's. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for the blessing of God upon our lives. Bless this offering in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you all, friends. We'll see you here next Sunday. Catch us online Wednesday night. We hope you enjoyed our weekly message. Thank you for joining us. We want to connect with you. Please visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc where you can find our social media information and directions to download our smartphone app. 
This will keep you connected to all things Cornerstone. We pray that you have a wonderful week.